I want to ask you to turn your attention with me to God's Word, the book of Exodus. We've been looking for the last several weeks now at what it is that makes a great church. And for those of you that maybe this is your uh, first Sunday in a church, that kind of sounds like some insider language, maybe. Uh, For some of you, when you think about what makes a great church, maybe you think about, you know, nice facilities, um, you know, great staff, you know, those kinds of things. But we've been looking at the story of God, um, the Exodus, how God remembered his faithful promises to his people. And when they were in chains, enslaved in Egypt, God uh, remembered his promises, was faithful to his people, delivered them out of their enslavement through the blood of the Lamb. And as he led them to the promised land over and over and over again, he was reminding them, this is who you are. Live up to your great calling and identity Um, through the blood of the Lamb you have been saved. And so we continue to remember that what makes a great church is when we know that we know who we are in Christ and we don't settle for living under, uh, under that. And so we're a people that remember two weeks ago, a people that acknowledge we are totally dependent upon God. And so we learn to listen for His voice pay attention and help others to pay attention to God's voice, to cry out to Him in prayer. Prayer becomes a value. What makes a great church is a people who are totally dependent upon God. And then last week we looked at what makes a great church is a people who lean into their freedom, the freedom that comes through the cross of Christ, through His blood that was shed for us, through His body that was broken for us. What makes a great church is we're continuing to tell stories that God has set us free. And so, friends and world around us, you can be set free as well. And today we continue to look at what makes a great church as we look at Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, I would invite you to stand in honor of God's Word if you are able. And uh, we're going to look at, it's kind of an extended passage and, uh, but I would like to read that um, for us. Exodus 14, verses 1 through 16, and then several others. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Haharoth between Migdal and the sea. Remember, the Israelites had been crying out independence. God set us free from the uh, slaves that we truly are under Pharaoh in Egypt. They were literally slaves. And God, through that Passover lamb, he said, mark your doorposts. Put the blood of the lamb uh, on your doorposts. I'm about to do something amazing. He does, and he brings those Israelites. They just, all of Pharaoh's uh, slave labor, just in one fell swoop, just walked out of Egypt. And in fact, the, Israel, or the Egyptians were like, just take what you need, just go. Pharaoh, let them go. And so as this entire group of people are being led to the promised land, God gives some specific instructions, and here we see, he's saying, here's where I want you to go and settle. This was a long journey. And he says, I want you to go and settle by the sea. And God's instructions to Moses for the people, there are two encamped by the sea directly opposite baal Sephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, 
hemmed in by the desert. And I'll harden Pharaoh's heart and he'll pursue them, but I'll gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites, overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Haharoth, opposite Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians. There was the enemy marching after them. And they were terrified. Y'all ever been terrified? They were terrified. And they cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert? Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. And then down to verse 21. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right And on their left, the Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. And then down to verses 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, again, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses, after the people had safely traveled through those parted waters, He stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back, covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of the enemy army survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right, And on their left, that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared their Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. This is the Word of God for the people of God not just long ago, but for those of us who may be afraid today. We say thanks be to God. You may be seated.
Last weekend, uh, Sarah and I and my son, we went to, um, to northern Indiana, Valparaiso, Indiana. To, uh, I, I was officiating a wedding there, and after the wedding was over, I uh, sat down with my mom and dad as we were getting ready to come back to Bedford. Remember, we've only traveled to Bedford just a couple times, and so being northwest Indiana, my dad said, son, how do you get back to Bedford? And I said, I have no idea. I just put the address in my phone. And so my dad pulled out a, a map. Anybody ever seen one of these? Yeah? Okay. Anybody ever used one of these? And my dad starts pulling this out and saying, now you could take this and you could, now I think there might be some construction here and now let's look at this. And I pulled out my phone and said, dad, I I just follow the GPS and you know, he's been working. My dad's 80. Uh, My dad, my mom's not far behind, but when they travel, they're learning to pull out their phones and, um, and they'll pull up one of these many, you know, different apps that you can use, Google Maps or Waze or, you know, all these different kinds of um, apps to, to get directions to where you want to go, right? But then they also have this map just in case. And, and what they'll do is they'll write down all of the, you know, all the different uh, ways to travel, all the different streets. You know, the Israelites were learning to follow the Lord, and I'll tell you what, kind of like this, many of us, the way that we learn to follow God is we want to get the map out the night before, the day before, the week before, or maybe even we want to settle the, the way home, even years you know, beforehand. God, I, I need it all laid out. I need to be able to see the entire way to the promised land or the, entire, the rest of my life laid out for me because you just give me the map and then I'll figure out the best way to get there. But I think the way that God often operates is kind of like our Google Maps. You know, I pull it up on my phone, I put it in my little cradle there, and, and then she or he, depending on you know, what little uh, you know, setting you have, She'll just tell you, turn right out of the driveway, you know, uh, turn left on 25th Street, you know, turn right on the, and she just tells you one step, the next step at a time. You turn that radio up too loud and, and you may miss, you know, the next direction and then you got to, you know, recalculate. You got to turn around and, and go back or, or, or maybe she'll kind of figure out a different what route for you to go. They'll tell you, you know, maybe give you a little bit of a heads up. In a quarter mile, you're going to exit onto whatever. And you got to pay attention. There's construction. How many of you who use a, um, some kind of navigational app, how many have you have been told, hey, there's construction ahead? Uh, an alternate route has been provided, and you go, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think I'm just, you know, be quiet. You push the button, be quiet. There's all kinds of ways that we kind of learn to follow Jesus. But for many of us, we want the whole, you know, uh, we want the whole directional plan laid out for us. God, if you're really calling me to go on this mission trip, it's a week-long journey. I need to know exactly what we're supposed to wear. They had no idea what to wear. They had no idea what they were doing. I was messing with Pam, and I said, you know, I think Mark told me that you guys were going to be working in some sewage, and I see you got sandals. I had no idea what they were going to be doing, but how many of us we want to have laid out for us? God, you want us to take on this big challenge? You want us to put away this 
job and say no to this money in order to to take this over here. I I need to have the whole plan laid out for me. Which street, where, where are you taking me? And God just wants to say one step at a time, one turn at a time. You just, all of the other noise, you just tune that out and you listen to me and I'll lead you safely to where you need to go. I want us to think today about how God leads us. How did God lead the Israelites? When he brought them out of, when we first encountered God and said, God, you are my light and my salvation. I'm going to trust not in my own roadmap, but in yours. You be my God. You be my Savior. For many of us, we didn't plan to just kind of say, okay, at some point in my life, I don't know that I can take the next step unless you lay out the whole game plan. But but that's kind of what the Israelites were saying to the Lord. You've got to tell us what you're thinking here. Today we come upon the Israelites. They've just been set free from Egypt. So looking back, hey, no more enslavement. But the way that the Lord was leading them to this promised land in, 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 in a place where they were going to be able to live freely as the Lord you know, called them to live, and He would be their God, He would be their Pharaoh, a, a loving king, but the direction that he led them in led them right into this like dead end, this cul-de-sac. They were kind of nestled in, and it was almost like they were just kind of wandering around. I want you to look at this uh, scripture. It says, they said to Moses, here they were, they'd been uh, called to camp out right in this cul-de-sac that was on the seashore, the, the, the Red Sea. And as they looked up and they saw Pharaoh change his mind and that entire army coming after them, and here they were seemingly at a dead end, they said to Moses, was it because there was no graves, there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you there, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? Boy, their memory was fading. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Notice when difficulty arose, just how quickly the Israelites forgot. What amazing things God has done. He's mighty to save. Do do you not remember what he did for us? I mean, it it was about a week ago. You know, we've been on this little journey for a while here, and yeah, we're between a rock and a hard place, a, a beach and a, and a pharaoh. By the way, I, I wouldn't mind being on the beach. I don't know about you, but, but, but I want you to think about something. When we think about how to follow Jesus, following Jesus requires regular rehearsal of the story of God together. Following Jesus requires regular rehearsal of the story of God together. What does that mean? I remember when I was a kid, I grew up going to church, and we would have these um, choir, these musicals, kids' musicals. And, uh, and we had to learn all the songs. You know, let's say a Christmas musical. We'd start in, like, August learning these songs. And, and then we would start having rehearsals on Saturday. Are there any kids in here? I'm just going to be honest. I hated it. I hated them. 
I was just a, you know, a little kid that I just had so much energy, and our children's director wanted us to stand on risers for seemingly six hours, it felt like, and you know, learn how to sing and when to sing and when to come in, and whoever the little sheep and the donkey or you know, whoever was what, you know, when, when the, all the, all the you know, settings and when and how, and oh, I just I hated rehearsals. But you know why we have rehearsals, right? It's so that we know where to go and when to go and how to go. And do you know that what we're doing right now in gathered worship is we're rehearsing together. We're remembering together who our God is. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm I'm a child of God. He's our Father. We're also remembering who we are. We're not defined by the billboards we're not defined by the next-door neighbors who have more toys and bells and bigger homes. and We're not defined by anything but our Father who says, you're my child. And so every time that we meet to gather together, we rehearse the story of who God is and, and what He's done, not only for the Israelites long ago, but He has set me free from sin. In Christ Jesus, I'm a child of God. And I'm no longer a slave to all the messages out there. I'm no longer a slave to what other people may do to us. And so when we gather together every week, we rehearse the story of God. Could I say to you, who, those of you who may be kind of casual attenders, can I say to you online, boy, if you're able, physically able to gather with us in person, to rehearse the story of God, and remember once again, then maybe unlike those Israelites, when hard times come and we find ourselves seemingly at a dead end, instead of crying out to our leaders or to God and saying, you've forgotten us, you got us into this mess, we can start remembering and praising God has done it again. He's done it before and He's going to do it again. And somehow, I don't know how He's going to do it, but He's going to get me out of this dead end. He's going to get me out of this grave. He's going to bring glory to the name of His Son by delivering me in some way from this. And so God, I, I don't know how. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at the bottom of the, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm just, I'm powerless. But you're almighty. And you are mighty to save, and I know that you're going to do it. Following Jesus means regularly gathering together to rehearse the story of God and remember who He is and who we are. Friends, if you want to be a great church, if you want to learn to follow Jesus together faithfully, let's keep doing this. Let's make these gatherings all about Him all about praise, and even being honest about who we are and what we're going through. Let's not make this about ourselves. Let's not argue about you know, changing out the carpet and this, that, and the other. Let's just make these gatherings about focusing upon Him, about shouldering the, the load for one another and saying, hey, God's going to do something mighty. If we want to follow Jesus, if we want to be a great church, then we need to regularly gather together to not forget, but continue to remember God is good and worthy of our worship. Second, 
Second, following Jesus, it requires a mindset shift. From the monumental to the movemental. Let me explain. You know, God shows up in these incredible moments. God showed up to the Israelites when they were enslaved in Egypt. God shows up in these monumental, these moments. You know, the monuments that we create to remember somebody or something incredible that was done in our past. God shows up in these, mo- these moments. But God is a God who's on the move. He wants to take us somewhere. And like a GPS, He just leads us the next step, the next turn at a time. And so He wants to speak to us in the daily spaces, like in the car, or at home, or in the midst of a fight. I look over at my wife, because, you know, i got to be honest, we fight from time to time. And any of you who, say, who are married and say you don't, you guys are lying. But God shows up and speaks and says, be quiet, hold your tongue. God shows up and he speaks in the midst of maybe a workplace and says, speak up. Announce good news. God shows up in the daily spaces and gives not just affirmation of this is who you are, but he also says this is what it means to follow. This is what it looks like in this next circumstance. We need to learn that God is on the move. And not just to memorialize as important as that is those past moments. Some of you, boy, you can tell the stories of how in the past God has shown up in this particular moment. And we create monuments to that. And it is good to remember in the past. But God is a God who's on the move, and we need to acknowledge that by learning to tune in and pay attention to his voice. Following Jesus requires a monumental, or a movemental rather than a monumental mind shift. Notice what he says in verses 13 and 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Remember, they're in the cul-de-sac, a dead end. Don't be afraid, stand firm, and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The psalmist writes, be still and know that I am God. And then verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, hey, why are you crying out to me? I, I don't think he was saying that because the Israelites and Moses were learning to depend upon God. But I think God was saying, it's good to be still, to be quiet, to be attentive to my leadership in your life. But tell the Israelites to what? To what? Move on. Stand firm. And keep moving. Notice, notice what that means to, to be still versus stand still. Standing firm is all about the, the manner and the direction in which we move. It's about being courageous and bold because our God is mighty to save and we trust in Him. 
And so God tells Moses, man, keep the people moving forward. I'm, I'm leading you. I'll work in your life. Have courage. Friends, we need to keep dwelling on the promises of God, reminding one another of the promises of God, reminding us that the Holy Spirit has come to give us life and to lead us. God wants to daily, day by day and moment by moment to lead us. And so, yes, the monuments are great. Let's continue to retell the stories of what God did for the Israelites. But let's remember that today, even when we're at the end of our ropes, God says, let me throw you, you know, what you need to keep on climbing, to keep on following me. I'm with you. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Galatia. Galatians 5, verse 25. He says, since we find our life by the Spirit, let's keep in step. Let's keep moving forward with the Spirit. Do you hear what he's saying? God's on the move. God's on the move and he's calling us to move forward and and he wants us to keep in step with him. God isn't just kind of sitting around here in the sanctuary Monday through Saturday. In fact, the Holy Spirit is is leading us from this place and saying, follow follow me into tomorrow. He wants to lead us deeper and deeper into this trusting relationship with Him. He wants to lead you through experiences, and yes, even dead ends, that bring Him glory and teach you how to trust Him. And so He's going to do things like call you to step out of a boat. Maybe not literally. But He's going to call you, hey, step out onto the water, and you're going to go, God, this isn't possible. You know that I'll, you know, drown. Oh, you just, you just watch and see what I can do. Step out of the boat, Peter. He's going to say, I, I know you feel stuck here at the, the seashore, but you just watch. Moses, stretch out your arms and, and the waters are going to part. You just stick with me. You just listen to me. You just follow me. And I will be with you. Yes, God is with us. Keep in step with The Spirit. He's never going to leave us. But church, we can't have this mindset that God is our co-pilot. We need to have the mindset that God's the pilot. And wherever He wants to lead, God, we're with you. Yes, you are with us. You never leave us. But we're with you. We're going to keep in step with you rather than asking you to just kind of keep in step and follow us. Number one, following Jesus requires the regular practice of rehearsing the story of God together, gathering together and worshiping Him in spirit and truth. Number two, how do we become a great church? How do we learn to follow Jesus? Following Jesus requires a mind shift, mindset shift from just the moments when God shows up to the movemental movement of the Holy Spirit in which He calls us to follow. Third, Following Jesus means paying attention to his detailed instructions. Notice that God had been speaking to Moses and then saying to Moses, tell the people, tell the people, tell the people. They were grumbling and complaining. They had forgotten. And he said, gather them together again and tell the people. Give them specific instructions as to where they're to go next. 
Look at the next few verses. Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Haharoth between Migdal and the sea again. That's like a dead end. And the Israelites, they knew that. They knew that the way to this land, that, I mean, this was the path, this was the most direct route, and, and you got us kind of wandering over here. In fact, Pharaoh is kind of chuckling. His advisors had been telling him, they're wandering, we can, we can go and we can capture them and we can just bring them back. And so they're beginning to wonder, what in the world, this, this may sound like good news to some, it may sound like bad news to many others, but the journey that God wants to lead us on, it's going to take us into some life-threatening situations. Jesus never promised that following him would be easy. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, come follow me. I'm going to a cross. And I'm going to invite you to take up your cross and follow me. Now, for us here today, in the land in which we live, that may not mean a literal cross. But I tell you what, there are people all over the world, some gathered in secret spaces, who they're being persecuted for being a Christian. And the Lord is calling them to speak up, to live uh, out loud. God was going to call us into threatening situations. Following Jesus is risky business. Many of you know Dave Hall. Um, Dave uh, was just telling me the other day, that he thought there was no way he was going to run for any kind of government office. You know, the, the exposure uh, to his family life and the, the vulnerability that comes with that and just kind of the political mudslinging that comes as a part of a campaign. Dave said, I, I just told the Lord there was no way. And then the Lord said to him, I got some specific instructions for you. I want you to run. God, God never promised that following him, paying attention to his instructions, is going to make life easy. The will of the Father was that the Son would give his life away. And the invitation to us today is to give our lives fully and completely to God. Where you lead me, I will follow. You may lead me into a dark place, you may ask me to come alongside of somebody who's really suffering, and when you give me a heart for those people, I'm going to suffer alongside of them, and I don't want that. But where you lead me, I will follow because, because I know that you won't ever forget about me, turn your back on me, and following you is worth it. I promise that if you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you on a daily basis, He's going to take you places and do miraculous things in your life that you never would have expected. You know, there's, there's something else I, I want you to consider about the leadership of God in our lives. That it's not only about His power in our weakness, but it's about His wisdom and His insight into our kind of limited vision. There, there was no way the Israelites could have known that God was going to just part the seas. And you know, if you think about it, 
Had God not led them to that dead end where they were just kind of surrounded on three sides and Pharaoh on, and his army on the fourth side, if they would have just kind of gone their own way, if they would have just kind of mapped everything out and said, this is the best route, they would have been out in that desert and those Egyptians uh, would have just come right upon them and there would have been nowhere to hide, nothing to do, and yet God in his wisdom said, this is the best way that I can deal with the enemy. Friends, let's learn to follow Jesus. Fourth, and finally, following Jesus requires outstretched arms. Stretch out your arms, Moses. Stretch out your arms. Stand at the beach shore. Look at the waters in front of you. And stretch out your arms because I'm going to part the waters. I'm going to do something amazing. Look at verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand. We read that not once. He gave the instructions not twice, not three times, but four times. We read in just a few verses where God says to Moses, these strange instructions, stretch out your hands. God chose to utilize Moses, not marginalize Moses. God could have said, you're just a man. I I want the Israelites, I want Pharaoh, I want everyone to see that this is all about me. So Moses, just get out of the way, tell all the people to go take a nap, so that they'll just know this is totally me. Instead, God says, Moses, I know you're just a human being, but I want you to stand before the waters. And I want all the people with their eyes fixed on you, Moses. I want them to see that I use you, that I'll empower you. So stretch out your arms, Moses. Moses wasn't the only one who was to take on this posture, was he? There was another Moses who came, just a human being and fully human, yet fully God who took on our worries, our fears, our feelings when we're at the end of our rope at a dead end. And he said, Father said, Son, I want you to stretch out your arms. And Jesus, fully human, was going, Oh, if there be any other way. God, if there would be any other way. But the Father wants to utilize Moses He wants to utilize human beings. He wants to utilize you and me. And that's why Jesus said, oh, I've got a gift that I'm sending you. Last week was Pentecost Sunday, where we remember that the gift of the Holy Spirit of God Himself comes and dwells within us and leads us. And that we're called to just keep in step with that Spirit Moses, stretch out your hands. Trust me, when you're vulnerable, when you're weak, when you're exposed like this, I want you to trust me. I want you to move. I want you to trust me. Stretch out your hands, Moses. How do we become a great church? We learn to follow where the Lord wants to lead us. Not with everything mapped out and God be our co-pilot, go with me. But God, I'm going to pay attention to your daily instructions. 
I tell you what, it's not every moment of every day when I hear the Lord speak. But I tell you what, it's, it's daily that God speaks to me. Sometimes it's, Kevin, I want you to talk to this person. Sometimes it's, I know you want Burger King, but you just keep on driving by. I got a salad waiting for you. The Lord speaks to us about the big things and the little things, but he's leading us to the promised land. And friends, we need to learn how to follow the Lord. How do we do that? Ultimately, stretch out our hands. God, I've got nothing. I'm just going to be vulnerable and pay attention to you. Where you lead me, I will follow. Church, where he wants to lead us, could we be attentive to the Holy Spirit? And when he takes us in places that just don't seem to make sense, could we courageously begin to believe that maybe God's like taking us somewhere here that, because he's going to do something amazing? And could we trust in him? Could we, could we stretch out our hands?